Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Time, folks. Enjoy the show. Excuse me. Happy, happy Saturday matinee, Andy. <laughs> Here we are, another Saturday matinee. Another Saturday matinee. Um, it, it, we are still doing our Star Trek series on the main show. It's been been a lot of fun. Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and uh, thank you. Uh, for open up with a nice uh, note of thanks to the Patreon subscribers. Thank you, everybody, for for uh, uh, for helping support the show. We sure appreciate it. Definitely, we definitely um, do. We've got uh, what do we have on on our, on deck for our conversation today? Do you even remember? I think we have a little bit of listener feedback uh, on uh, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. I think we have uh, we've got our trailer picks. We've got a little look at the box office, and we've got our list. Right? Yeah, I think so. Anything else? Oh, and then I think we're also going to chat a little bit about the um, Star Trek, the new Star Trek TV show, because uh, we've had some Slack conversations going on about that. We are. Uh, yeah. What a unholy mess that's turning out to be i uh you just <laughs> sent me uh, a link that i have to i feel like i have to respond to uh be- yeah <laughs> the it's, porg oh good god the autoplay videos oh i can't stand it uh yes here we are oh god that's the porg <sighs> yes well that's um, that's a thing. I like these penguin-like wide-eyed. These penguin-like wide-eyed creatures are native to the planet of Achto, site of the first Jedi Temple, and they're just one of one type of the new creature that's going to be in Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Then there's I, the, I don't know the, if the caretakers. Just... The caretakers yeah. uh, looks like those. Those look like they're straight out of um, the Dark Crystal. Never, I was going to say never ending story. story yes, right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, I, you know I don't have problems with any of these. It's just I I wasn't expecting them. I guess no. <laughs> I guess that's my problem. Maybe in context it'll all be fine. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's fine. It's it it looks just so so very much like a thing that's designed to sell stuffed animals, and that's fine. That's kind of always gone along with Star Wars. There's yeah. always new creatures. I know. I was I in know. love with Salacious Crumb when Return of the Jedi came out. I loved that character. Salacious Crumb? Yeah, it was a crazy, wacky character. Hmm. You know, all of them. The Rancor, Jabba. You know, I like that. The Rancor, yeah, definitely. Creatures. Yeah. But yeah. Crumb was a lot the of cool character creatures. you kind of would rather kick. Well, yeah, but it's, I just find it interesting. It's, in terms of a, a personality assessment, I find it interesting that that's the character you attach to. <laughs> that's what I'm drawn to. Yeah, forget the Ewoks. <laughs> Crumb's my man. Yeah, that's that's what I'm, I'm reacting to here. Um, okay, well, the Porgs are the Porgs. I'm I'm glad I got to react to that because ugh, it'll be fine. I'm sure we'll love it. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Okay, so back to Star Trek. What are we doing? What, what, what do we have to talk about? Uh, well, we, uh, uh, I don't know. Let's talk about the TV show, the new TV show, Star Trek, what is it, Discovery? Yeah, Discovery. So what do you know about it? What do you, what do you think you know? I, I, I've seen the trailer. I think that's about all I know uh, is, is what was in the trailer. Um, I know it's kind of a, a story about when they first discover the Klingon race, right? And and it's kind of the uh, the tete-a-tete as the two races kind of go back and forth between war. Is that right? Yeah, it takes place uh, in the timeline. This is a, what I think is, is interesting. It takes place in the timeline about the same period uh, as The Cage, which is oh, the, the first released, um, um, you know, the, the, uh, original series 
Yeah, but when it was a whole pilot. different cast, it was the pilot that 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 was a whole different cast of Star Trek: The Original Series before Shatner and and um, yeah, I think if I remember correctly, Spock was the only character that, that yep. made it. that. I, I believe that's true. Um, I believe so. There might have been some other peripheral characters, yeah. like I, I'm probably Rand, Rand, <laughs> Rand yeah. Barrett was probably there. I don't. Uh, I, it's been so long since I've watched that episode. Um, uh, that, I, that I don't quite remember, but uh, apparently it is the discovery takes place around the same time as the cage and uh, the trailer. I mean, what do you think of the trailer when you watched it? It looked I mean, it looked entertaining. Um, it looked big. It it looked um, I don't know. It's it's always it's always a struggle watching such a variety of stories in different periods of time that um you know we're progressing technology wise with our what we can do uh, with our projects but yeah. you know we're jumping way back in time and so if this is supposed to now match the look of the cage and that period then it's you know it's like oh, okay yeah. uh it just looks really uh really flashy and you know it is 2017 i guess i don't have a problem with that but in in context of like watching it chronologically it might look a little weird yeah, I don't, I don't think you would want to do that. But then again, the cage wasn't a great <laughs> episode, if I recall, or I probably would have watched it more. Like it's it it's fine, uh, but there's a reason the Star Trek we got has a completely different cast. Um, it's the the story, as I understand, is it, what you understand. I mean, there's a there is a um, it's a, apparently a different race of Klingons. Um, it, it's like a, a, a high, heavily. Uh, uh, religiously influenced race of Klingon, and they are, um, and, and so yeah, much of this takes place is in in terms of the the kind of culture war that happens between them, and sometimes that becomes a, an all out war. And our the head of or the um, uh, our main character is um, oh gosh, what's her name, Sinequa, um Oh, I'm. This is frustrating. I can't remember her last name. Uh, anyway, she is from The Walking Dead. She was in The Walking Dead, and she was great in The Walking Dead. And now she is apparently the pivotal character for us to follow as she moves from one ship in the pilot to what they're calling the the real episode one, um, which is the um, you know episode two, uh, which is when she actually makes it to the Discovery and she's under a new captain, and it, it becomes their. Um, kind of journey of discovery together. And I, I'm all fine with the trailer. I actually thought the trailer looked great. I mean, it's very energetic. It's got a lot of great effects, and it's it's fine. But then I started reading why they made some of the choices they did and why some of the, the, um, the, the sort of discontinuity hits us that this doesn't... There are so many areas here where this doesn't quite look like a Star Trek show, right? And... Yeah. And that, as it turns out, has to do with the Paramount-CBS split. And Hmm. it's because each body owns different parts of the asset catalog of Star Trek IP. Can you believe this? Oh, Uh, Lord. Yeah, yeah. So, technically, there are things they cannot do... Uh, to mimic the look and feel of Klingons as we've known them, of Starfleet officers as we've known them, unless they choose to go license those look and feel elements from the other party. And they don't want to do that because it gets very, very expensive. Um, You know, when, for example, when Paramount released uh, the the, uh, Star Trek um, uh, Into Darkness... 
Oh, there okay. was there was a Tribble in Star Trek Into Darkness, right? That okay. had to be licensed back from the original IP holder, in this case, CBS Corp, because they wow. owned all of the elements from anything that was in the TV show. So it is it is an unbelievably hot mess. I mean, this is an incredibly confusing uh, matrix of IP and uh, and character property that uh i don't i don't know why they even chose to make this show it is a disaster in fact the rumor now is that the actors have started telling their agents please after january 1st find me new work because the studio really believes we're going to be canceled after a single season holy cow wow this is not it, it doesn't even get into uh, the uh, the CBS All Access thing. I mean, it, you know. So <laughs> right, I know. As far as I know, what they're going to do is they're going to broadcast the pilot on CBS, and if you want any more, you're going to have to uh, sign up for CBS All Access and watch Star Trek streaming. Um, and you know, I know there are big CBS fans, but I there's there's nothing there for for me certainly um, to to want to subscribe to yet another streaming service. And this, of course, on the heels of Disney saying that they're going to pull all of their property, uh, Disney-branded properties from Netflix, because they're starting a series of their own streaming services, ESPN and Disney. So, I I mean, it's, you know, I don't know. You were saying. Well, that's my frustration with so many of these uh, companies that are going to start doing that. It's like, I'm not in love enough with any single entity where I feel the need to subscribe to them. That's why I like places like Netflix, where I have access to all of them. And so I'm going to be in this situation where it's like, well, unless they, you know, play nice and actually come to Netflix, I'm going to be waiting for the discs to be released so I can actually rent them because otherwise I'm never going to be able to see them. Right. And it's just very frustrating that, I mean, I understand. I totally get why everybody is like, especially, I mean, Netflix is kind of, you know, to a certain extent, they've shot themselves in their own foot by by making all of their own properties, which, I mean, it's been a great move for them. They've really succeeded. They've made some great programming. But at the same time, it's now pushing everybody away, and everybody's going to end up with all their own separate entities online. And it's like, how successful can CBS be? Can they carry an entire network, uh, streaming network of their own? I don't know. Right. Uh, it, it's really frustrating. Now, this, uh, you know, talking about CBS All Access, this is really only for U.S. domestic uh, viewers because Netflix has the rights to distribute this show everywhere else on the planet that Netflix operates streaming. And this has become another area of uh, discontent between CBS and Netflix in this case because Netflix thought they were buying into uh, the uh, broader Star Wars universe, this generation of televised Star Trek, or, sorry, sorry, Star Trek universe. <laughs> and uh, and now they are hearing the same scuttlebutt uh, uh, that is out on the internet that, in fact, this the uh, network has very little um, uh, faith that this is going to be a successful show. They understand that it's uh, really frustrating the hardcore fans. Uh, and so Netflix... It turns out, I don't know the exact number, but the, what is what is being bandied about is that Netflix paid enough for global distribution rights to actually fund the production of season one. Wow. Uh, that's a lot of money. And so they're, they're pretty frustrated. Uh, 
by this. We'll see. We'll see what happens if they, you know, make it up, obviously. But they are considering after season one launches, they're considering apparently uh, a, a legal remedy. Um, because they feel like they were sold a bill of goods. Now, CBS, on the other hand, the other rumor, and I didn't know this, Nicholas Meyer, director of uh, of um, the movie we just talked about, Wrath of Khan, yep. and we'll be talking about him again, uh, he apparently has another Star Trek show in the works. Did you know this? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. No. And so that's why CBS is saying, well, you know, maybe Discovery is okay. We're going to let that go. Uh, it's going to be, they're starting to talk about it as a Star Trek anthology show, right? And that it's going huh. to be like a Star Trek story. <laughs> Discovery, a Star oh, Trek wow. story. And uh, I don't, we don't know if it's going to be rebranded, but what we do know is that they're starting to talk about this Nick Meyer show as, a, um, as something that is in canon. Uh, because that's something that's very huh. important to him, that this stays yeah. inside the universe. The other, th- oh, you know, the legal thing I didn't even mention, there is also um, uh, an IP battle over timeline. And so which timeline does this show take place in? Does it take place in the Kelvin <laughs> timeline or does it take place in the Prime timeline? Um, if it's the Kelvin timeline, obviously it's the spinoff of the J.J. Abrams and we have uh, Kurtzman involved in this uh, in the, the Discovery show. And so there is um, some consideration that this may be a, a Kelvin timeline show. This may be in order to in order to navigate through all the legal issues, it may be a third timeline. Andy, that's the kind of mess we're talking about. But hold on now, because that doesn't make sense, because the cage happened pre-Kelvin. I love that you're trying to make sense of this. Right? Well, (laughs) it's delightful. So so it doesn't matter. It still is the prime timeline, because it hasn't been split yet. So you say. So you say. So I say. So you say. The legal people will say something else, I'm sure. <laughs> it is. I'm. I'm deeply frustrated about this, and I found myself getting all riled up as I was posting in our, our trailers channel in Slack uh, because I was so exuberant about this show. I used the word fracking in a conversation. <laughs> hipster, hipster, Battlestar Galactica swearing. I am That's not right. prone to do that, and uh, <laughs> now I am. I am. I am shunned. You anyway, did it. Anyway. You went and did it anyway. So, so that's funny. it. So when I tell you all of that, does that, uh, how does that affect your exuberance for the show? Well, I mean, my exuberance for the show goes as far as my exuberance for many of the other shows that I have never watched. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think it's interesting, but I have never seen anything um, outside of uh, the original series and Star Trek: The Next Generation. I've never seen. I might have seen an episode of Deep Space Nine. Uh, or two, but I really can't remember. And uh, but then I've never seen any of the other ones, so um, I'm always curious about them. I just you know I just know there's I don't know. I guess I find it so daunting to think about because I know there's so much out there yeah. that I never bother with it. And so this will probably fall into that camp where I'll probably never end up watching any of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's so, a bummer. Especially because it, especially because especially because I'm not going to be I'm not going to pay to go seek them out, you know. I mean yeah. maybe I'd watch the very first episode, but I'm not going to pay to get CBS uh their streaming service just so I can watch the rest no of it. No way. Yeah, I'm not either. And in fact, you know, I would pay more to just buy the whole season on iTunes explicitly so I don't have to have another subscription service. Yeah, exactly. Um all right. Well, that's it. That's <sighs> discovery. 
It's disappointing because we're we're so invested in Trek right now. Like we're doing all of the movies. It is disappointing to see that they are shepherding this new property into to life, and it's coming in such you know controversy. So I'm trying to keep, well and to to keep stay yeah. rational about it. But they're going to have to go the route of um, you know Disney slash Marvel and yeah. Sony. And start playing nice with properties so they can share them back and forth then. You know, you can use Spider-Man, but we get to play with Deadpool and, you know, all these sorts of things. It's going to be an interesting mess. (coughs) Excuse me. Dying over there? I am a little bit. All right. We're all dying dying a little bit every day. We're dying. (laughs) That was your bit today. Took took four (laughs) days off the end right there. Four (laughs) days off the end. You'll never know. Buried Uh, alive. (laughs) Let's talk about uh, Nick has yeah Valerian yeah. huh yeah uh, Nick Langdon over on our Slack group had some uh, comments about Valerian that I thought was nice you know he said I finally saw Valerian when it opened here the other day and I really enjoyed it I like the ambition of the film it's retro pulpy tone and the fact it was so different I'd rather an ambitious failure than another safe predictable yeah it was okay movie the sort that constitutes most Hollywood blockbusters nowadays. And I think that's a really great point. And it's exactly why I really kind of still love Cloud Atlas, because there was there was something so big and grand about that, even though it was kind of a hot mess, that I still love it. I think my problem, and Nick certainly, uh, we all really had the problems. Uh, you know, the dialogue was just really, we all struggled with that in Valerian and uh, Dane DeHane, some of the casting. Uh, so it seems like we all kind of had the same issues. And the same complaint that, you know, it's, it's good enough where it shouldn't be bombing at the box office. It's really sad. Yeah, I I agree. I I, I stand by my star rating, and and I'm as a Luc Besson, you know, fan more than not. Uh, even though Lucy brings down the average, it is. Uh, I I still really enjoyed it, and you know, like you said, like the kids just adored it, and it was so much fun to watch with them because the it's it's such a ride. Uh, I love that Nick compared this uh, the the big market scene to Tony Scott's um, car chase in Deja Vu happening in two time periods. Uh, I yeah, totally right, forgotten right. that. What a great comparison! Um, uh, and and that Dane DeHane was uh, Point Break era Keanu Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> and yeah his line he brought up that line when he says i am a government agent yeah I'm like yeah that really was perfect uh keanu reeves point break <laughs> <laughs> yeah i really like that too um so it's it's actually aging well and i'm definitely this is one that's definitely going to be in the collection just because it's so it's so fun to go along with the ride even if you you know Listen to something else while while it's playing. The script is really bad. You know his point uh, to, uh, you know, as 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 long as you're going to make an English language movie, make sure you have a native speaker. You know, or, or someone with a with a, a much more sort of native uh, fluency. Do a yeah. rewrite. Do a rewrite pass because that's kind of what it feels like. Um, so I I don't know how much we can we can hang on that, but um, it's tough to listen to. Yeah, it is. And it I still was. contend that the casting is all mixed up. It's The casting is a mess, yeah. absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so it's aged well on you. Have your kids been begging to see it again? They haven't, but, I mean, boy, did they love it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe that's, uh, you know, a little misdirection on his part. Maybe he he should have left out some of the bits like the uh, going into the Rihanna brothel and stuff like that to make it even just more that much more kid friendly and really kind of push to for a much broader audience instead of going the PG-13 route. That that might have helped it. 
You know, the Rihanna brothel, in hindsight, it didn't, it doesn't bother me. I thought it would. It doesn't, it doesn't bother, bother me. me. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that's an element that kind of kicks it up to that PG-13 mark that um, if if it wasn't there, I mean, yeah, again, my kids, it's so, it's so milk toast as far as, you know, the way they're depicting everything there. I mean, it's really just, she's dancing mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, it's, you know, as far as the kids go, they they're really, you know, didn't have any questions other than, you know, my son going, well, why is everyone saying hi to him? Yeah. <laughs> just right. like that was really his question. Um, but other than that, it's just like there really wasn't um, uh, anything offensive or confusing or, or anything that I really had to explain after the fact. So yeah. that that was nice. But I mean, if they had really kind of cut, just cut that or, or reworked it to be something else, they could have made it into a scene that played uh, to it, it could be reaching a much larger audience, I think. Yep. Yep. I agree. Uh, I have some feedback on a show that I uh, I don't know when we talked about this, but I was at dinner with some friends, uh, a, a big group of friends, and I did not know that I was sitting with people who also listened to this show. And uh, that's funny. And I was told as we were toasting that you peg your jeans. The word we were looking for is peg your jeans. And it took me totally out of context because, of course, it was years ago that we could not remember the word peg for peg your jeans. Yeah, right. Uh, but <laughs> that is, uh, consider this a, a year's late correction. You peg your jeans. I'm glad to have that mm-hmm. corrected now. <laughs> let's uh, <laughs> let's do trailers. Let's do it. What's yours for the week? My trailer is mother oh, as opposed to mother. Uh, which I, I, you know, it's funny. I don't know if they're delineating it with an exclamation point uh, to uh, separate it from the uh, Jessica Chastain mother film that came out a few years ago. <laughs> but this is this is not that one. This is Mother, directed by Darren Aronofsky. Return, uh, which is exciting that uh, we have a new Aronofsky film. This one looks so so interesting, and the trailer is cut. Just, I mean, this is just a beautiful trailer to watch. The way it's cut, the music, everything in it is just intense and creepy, and it works so effectively. It's one of the most thrilling trailers I've seen in a long time. And I really don't have a clear sense of the story. I don't feel like the trailer really gives anything away, which made me really excited. Um, you've got this couple, Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem, uh, kind of living at this uh, new home. And, it, you know, IMDb says their relationship is tested when uninvited guests arrive at their home, disrupting their tranquil existence. Those uninvited guests start with Ed Harris and then Michelle Pfeiffer. Then you have Domhnall Gleeson and Kristen Wiig. And just the list goes on. Just a bunch of people start showing up. And, you know, I have no idea what is happening at this house, what is going on in this trailer. But it's creepy. It's effective. It's haunting. And I don't know if you've seen the movie poster for this, but it is like this really creepy, like Jennifer Lawrence. It, it, it They made her look like kind of a uh, one of those creepy Annabelle sorts of dolls on the poster. It's so creepy. Everything about this just creeps me out. I cannot wait. What do you think? Well, you know, uh, it, I'll, I'll, I'll see it because you'll probably want to do it on the show. Uh, I like uh, Aronofsky. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a bit of a love-hate. Uh, I didn't like The Fountain. I wasn't crazy about Black Swan, um, but Requiem for a Dream, obviously, we're big fans. Um, I, the, the Wrestler, uh, fantastic. So, um, I, I, you know, I, I, I go back and forth on, on Aronofsky. I know I'm, I'm, every, more people love all of his stuff and hate all of his stuff, I think, in a more of a binary relationship than I, <laughs> I have with him. Um, 
this looked really creepy. I thought the concept that I'm building in my head around it looks great. Uh, and everything I've read about it says that uh, what is happening with Jennifer Lawrence in the trailer, uh, get ready because that's not at all what you think when you see the movie. And so I'm looking forward to nice, juicy surprises. Uh, and I hope they can keep it all a good secret um, because it, it looks pretty exciting. Um, and uh, uh, what a, what an incredible cast. Um, oh, I know. For, for this film. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited. It looks good. I can't believe Fantastic. I'm saying that. I'm, I'm excited. No, it's going to be great. I can't wait. Uh, it looks like it's going to be opening September 15th. So Are, are Domal Gleeson and Brian Gleeson related? I don't know. I saw that Brian Gleeson was in it. I was like, I don't know who that is. So I'm not sure. Huh. Actor. Maybe. Born in Dublin, uh, this Brian Gleeson. And uh, Domal Gleeson. And so is Domal. Is Dublin. Yeah. Ireland. There. Yeah. Huh? Huh? I think they're, I would... I, I think they're related. There's no way... There's just no way there are more. There's more than one Gleason family in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> there's he is, just he is no the, way. Yeah, yeah, he's the son of Brendan Gleason, just like Donald Gleason is too. Uh, yeah, so and, and uh, they have but, uh, they have uh, other brothers, Fergus and Rory. Yeah, that's Look right. At that it's and a, his name, a whole family. Did you see his first name is pronounced pronounced Breen? Breen Gleason. And that's right. And Donal does not pronounce the M. It's Donal Gleason. Oh. There's no M. His first name is pronounced Donal with the M being silent. This sounds like we're we're taking an Irish lesson it's, right now. It's Suarez. Breen. <laughs> it's Suarez. <laughs> not Sirsha Ronan. Who who who's that? It's Suarez. <laughs> Okay, my trailer. Anyway, okay, what's your when's trailer? Your, yeah. wait, when's it come out, this mother? Uh, September 15th. All right. September 15th, yeah. Uh, my trailer, Andy, is Bushwick. You seen this? Oh, yeah. I I picked this trailer because of my enthusiasm for uh, Dave Bautista and and for uh, Brittany Snow, frankly, uh, off, off of... Uh, Pitch Perfect. I thought I think she's very funny, and I love that she's in this this movie. Not I'm not picking this because of my enthusiasm for movies like The Purge, uh, which I don't have much enthusiasm for. Um, the uh, this that's what this really looks like. Uh, the The premise is uh, on IMDb, which is probably right on in this case. When a Texas military force invades their Brooklyn neighborhood, twenty year old Lucy and war veteran Stoop must defend each other. To survive, uh, directed by Carrie Murnian and Jonathan Milot, uh, written by Nick Domici and Graham Resnick, uh, stars obviously uh, Dave Bautista and Brittany Snow and Christian Navarro um, and a bunch of other people that I don't know of. So it's it's a shoot 'em up, bang bang action movie. But Dave Bautista, I, I love the way they portray him in the trailer. Uh, and in the first trailer, they kept him uh, shrouded in mystery, and I thought that was that was really cool too. But uh, generally, uh, I, I think this guy is going to be a significant action talent. I really do. Uh, his turn as Drax was funny and uh, big and delightful, and I think now that he's getting his own his own things we're going to see him in more stuff even if we see him in more stuff that's you know a la the expendables uh which is you know this is from many of the same team and i know you like the expendables even if we see more of that 
Well, I liked him, Inspector. I thought he was great. He was great, Inspector. But but Inspector, he was also you know he's he's a pretty subdued thug. Like he wasn't a principal, like the principal. And here, I think we we're gonna see if he can really carry it. And I'm I'm very enthusiastic about this. I don't know if I'd put him up there in the category of the Rock. You know what I mean? Like maybe not yet. But I Dwayne Johnson. I don't know, but you know. I'm hopeful. I like to think of him that way because I I agree. I really enjoy watching Dave Bautista on screen, and I hope I hope to see him kind of evolve his his uh, his cinematic creds a bit because I think that he has pulled it off so well in some films, like you said. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, I mean this this seems just like kind of a solid action uh, action thriller sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, it's nice to see him kind of hitting that up. But I, I I really enjoy when he gets into some of the comedy stuff. So well, it opened at Sundance in January, and it right now has a six three on uh, on IMDb, and that actually bodes pretty well. I think if it's below yeah. a five, uh, it's generally going to be disappointing. But anything above a five, you, you're rolling the dice on a potentially really entertaining movie. Uh, and so I'm I think that it's been out in the uh, in the big uh, circuit, uh, festival circuit long enough and still is holding in that, in that six range. Uh, there's a chance this is going to be a really solid movie. It comes out right away. August uh, 25th in the U S, uh, is the first, um, uh, first time we'll be able to, to grab it. It is, looks like it's not getting much of a theatrical release, which is disappointing. Uh, but, uh, August 25th internet and UK theatrical. So there you go. There you go. Cool. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to that one. It looks like a fun kind of late night sort of action yeah. movie to watch. All right. All cool. right. There you go. And with that, Andy, let's do the list. List time. What's, All your, right, what's so, your list this week? I know you put a lot of uh, thought into this. There's a whole wall uh, of whiteboard boy, paint that is <laughs> covered in list ideas and project symbols. Trying to come up with something that uh, that was thematically connected to our our movie last week, Star Trek II: The uh, Wrath of Khan, we decided to go with you know uh, three really memorable um, deaths of good guys in films for us, and it was we we challenged ourselves not doing ones that um, that ended up coming back to life, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> which is a challenge. That's hard. It turns but, out uh, that was much harder have... than I expected it to be. This was this was difficult. Yeah, more of them come back than we realized. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, do you want to start or do you want me to kick it off? I'm, I'm happy to start. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to start. And this is the one, I think uh, my ranking is on uh, things that, uh, scenes that made me generate man tears versus things that did okay. not in increasing order. All right? Gotcha. Uh, and so my first one is Han Solo in Star Wars The Force Awakens. What do we oh, think? What do okay. we think? He gets sabered by his own spawn. Yeah. And, and falls I know. Now, I feel like we saw it coming. Uh, we, we probably knew what was going to happen. It wasn't going to end well. They aren't going to turn the, uh, the big bad in the movie in the first of the trilogy and suddenly make him a good guy. We knew that this could not end well for the good Han Solo. We also knew he wanted out of the movie and still watching him get the saber through the chest was an impactful moment. I didn't cry, but I think on, in another universe, there's probably a Pete that did. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good start. Uh, I, I'm not saying we're not going to see that one pop up again. 
What? Uh, we might. You we think might we're going to see Han again. Solo come back? No, I'm just saying oh. it might pop up on my list. <laughs> it might be on your list. <laughs> <laughs> but is it ranked at the same place? Well, we'll find out right now. Because my number three is actually, and I really struggled with this one because I was like, does it count? And I think it does. It's uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in Terminator 2. Oh, see. Because he technically dies because... He's back in many other iterations of the Terminator films, but it's never that same one. So I think that counts. You're killing me. I do, <laughs> only because that was that was a great one, and I got rid of it because we see him in so many more Terminator movies. But it's not the same one. We never have that same Terminator. That so I a, think it was that a is totally a, fair. It, what it is is a cheat. You cheated. It's your own quiz. I'm going to give it to you, but I think you cheated. <laughs> But it was a very powerful moment. And, uh, you know, yes, uh, Edward Furlong is a little much in that particular scene. But I think that that James Cameron built that so well with the, you know, the thumb coming up, everything. It was just, it worked so well in context of the film. It's a little bit, you can make fun of it easily now. But I think when you're watching the movie, um, you're so wholly invested in the characters that I think it works brilliantly. I, I agree with you. I think that's a, that is a, a fine selection, given that we have now expanded the rules to cheat. Uh, number two <laughs> on my list is uh, it, it, the death of Theo Faron in Children of Men. Uh, mm. This was a, an incredibly moving uh, final sequence. Uh, he, the, we're safe, we're safe. They're in a boat together. He's been shot. He says, no, it's my blood, it's my blood. And, uh, and they are rescued uh, at sea just as he passes away. And it is a, I think it's an incredibly moving scene. Uh, I, you know, if you remember when we did the show, uh, we did this movie on the main show, and I, I had to come at it with a whole new set of eyes because the first time I saw it, I did not like this movie. Uh, second time, I, I liked it a lot. And in fact, um, you know, uh, that is uh, largely due to this death scene. That is a very powerful and tragic scene. So good call. Good call. Thank you. Well, my number two, I don't have much to say about because you already said everything, is Han Solo (laughs) in uh, Force Awakens. Absolutely uh, just a powerful and tragic death, and it really hit me. And uh, I I would say that that, uh, while I didn't necessarily cry the first time, there might have been a few man tears uh, after on subsequent viewings. So. I hear you. I hear you. I can feel that. Uh, My number three, or my number one then, uh, is a movie that is still in in some theaters. Thank goodness. I think it's in. It's made. It's making its uh, its you know dollar theater run. Uh, that is uh, Yondu in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two mm. because uh, and and it just hit digital. I think I can we can get it as of this week. I think it just released yeah, on right. digital too. And so uh, I, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Uh, I, I did not think they were going to make Yandu uh, a significant character in this movie, and they not only did they turn it around, uh, they made it a fantastic character and an incredibly impactful death scene uh, in a movie that was um, otherwise a balloon of color and kind of frivolousness. I, I think it, was, um, it, it had just the kind of weight that I wanted uh, out of it. It was a real surprise. 
You know, we probably, before we started this list, we should have had a big spoiler warning. (laughs) We're pretty much ruining these movies for you. I'd like to think that that was uh, in context when we're talking about significant character deaths that you hopefully would have figured that out. That if, you know, you didn't want to get spoiled. Yeah. Um, We are a pretty spoilery show, but. (laughs) We didn't say we spoil movies, but I sort of hope if you're a Patreon subscriber, you got it. You know what I mean? That's right. You know. All right. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Anyway, spoiler alert in retro uh, <laughs> retroactive context. Well, my last one, Pete, um, we've spoiled this on the show, actually, so I don't feel bad uh, spoiling it again for people, but it is uh, I Am a Leaf on the Wind, <sighs> Wash, getting the giant spike through his chest at the end of Serenity. Man, I cannot believe I didn't Holy think about cow. that. You're right. That was huge. Never. Never expected that, and man, did that hit me. That was just painful to watch. Oh, it was and, It was uh, total surprise. And that really set it up, letting us know that, you know what, uh, this we're not safe. Anyone could die. And it really kind of amped up the energy for the final climactic fight, and I think it was... Um, it was probably a tough choice for the team to make, but I think in uh, in for for the story, I think it ended up being a really strong one to do. Um, but man, did it break my heart! Oh, totally, totally agree. That's a good choice. So, phew, man, I was worried about that one. Yeah, I mean, it, you really <laughs> rebounded off your massive cheat at number two. I'm proud of you. That was a good comeback. <laughs> thank you thank you uh, uh and i will say we we had to drop a lot off our list because we started going well we can't do sci-fi horror because in a horror kind of everybody's dying and yeah. that doesn't that makes it too easy because i was going to do john hurt in alien but it's like well yeah but everyone dies except for ripley so that doesn't yeah. really count <laughs> so well there you go i think it was a pretty good list though yeah that was a good list that was a good list well done i like this i can't wait to see what comes off of andy's project whiteboard next week <laughs> that's right <laughs> we're uh we're moving into um star trek 3 the voyage home uh part two of the trilogy that is in the middle of the series of the original series cast films uh looking forward to that boy the wrath of Khan was fun to watch uh yeah yeah it, it really was <laughs> that's all be i can say see... about star trek 3 <laughs> is that star trek 2 was sure fun to watch <laughs> Uh, well, it's interesting talking about franchises and just as a, an ending note, because um, we're going to be talking about the Star Trek uh, ups and downs, um, but uh, talk about a prequel that's uh, kicking butt at the box office. Annabelle is opening this weekend and it's um, doing so much better than they were expecting. I mean, they were hoping that it would uh, crack 25 million and now they're guessing it might hit 40 million. Wow. So. Wow. Yeah. Have you seen it? Be a nice little way to. I haven't. I, I've. I think I've always seen the very first Conjuring. Uh, I haven't seen uh, anything else. So um, it's an interesting franchise. But um, I think it just goes to show that you know some of these creepy horror um, stories people still just really are drawn to. I mean, the Paranormal Activity series uh, went gangbusters. This this one certainly is going going gangbusters. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm curious to see it, especially now that it's getting such good reviews. Awesome. Awesome. So, anyway. Uh, well, good catching up, man. Definitely. Definitely. Nice little bit of a Saturday matinee, huh? Yeah, here we go. I'm going to go watch some movies. All right, man. Me too. Ciao. Ciao. Ciao.
I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Mm-hmm.